0: I'm Nil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. This episode is part of a series of episodes produced in collaboration with Plant Based World Expo. The European edition of the Expo will be the biggest 100% plant-based professional event in Europe and is scheduled to take place November 30th and December 1st, 2022 in London, UK. Alexis Gautier, my guest on this episode of the podcast, will be one of the featured speakers at the event. This is Gautier. Thank you so much for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: This may sound like a very simple question for me to start off with, but um, you can take it anywhere you want to. But why do you love food?
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, why do I love food? Uh, actually, I, I I love food because it's one of the, the the few real pleasure you have in life. You know, being healthy, um, having taste buds and um and constantly looking for something that's going to give you um, pleasure i think food is uh, such a wonderful source of pleasure for you know life is too short not to constantly looking for the the, the the pleasure and and food is uh give you so much pleasure so i think that's that's why i love food i'm actually fascinated by food my entire life is is around food you know so that's uh, that's that's really me
0: yeah, and obviously you started pretty early with your interest in food. Can you take us back to what was the first spark uh, where you you thought maybe this is something I want to dedicate the rest of my life to?
1: Well, I don't know whether there had been one moment in my mm-hmm. life, uh, but obviously coming grow, growing up in south of France with um, with um, grandmothers, you know, like a lot of French chefs uh, who were who, who knew recipes, delicious recipes, and most importantly, we're cooking with love. Um, and I was lucky to be, to be cooked for by people who I think really loved me. So they were putting everything they had, you know, uh, into, into the way they, they fed me and, and I really received it and I felt it. And, uh, and I think that's where the, 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 the love for, for food came. And then obviously the love for cooking, I love experimenting. And I remember doing crepes for my sisters. Maybe that was a way for me to uh, showing her love and I don't know, and, and, and making cakes for my friends. And uh, yeah, it was a tool of expressing my love for other people. So I, I, you know, I was lucky enough to transform that into my job and, um, and I've never looked back.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You kind of answered my follow up question, which was really going to be what do you want your food to express? And I think you, you sort of answered that is that you were using your food to express love to others. How's that changed and evolved over the years now that you've been involved on the business side of food, too, and have been, you know, yeah. run several restaurants? Uh, has that changed? Has that, has that expanded or contracted over the years?
1: Oh, yes, definitely expanded. And I think the, the, the maturity of, uh, of uh, the human being going through the life and getting older and older. Helps you to uh, transform this uh, desire to, uh, uh, to 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 express love into a desire to do something meaningful uh, through uh, through love, and that probably uh, you know moved into um, uh, I don't know a slightly more philosophical way of looking at how to express love and what I can do um, as as you know, with, with this, with this love. And, and then I think it, 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 you know, it matured into, um, something, something, something bigger, like altruism. Um, and, uh, and, uh, it's, it's a sort of love too. And all of this blend into what I was doing, I think is making the person I am at the moment.
0: And you know you would let's just take a, a typical diner that that comes into uh, your one of your restaurants in in London. Um, let's just take Gautier Soho. What kind of experience are you trying to have them uh, are you trying to provide for them? Do you really I'm sure you think a lot about that both in terms of the food but also the the entire environment in which they're consuming the food. Is that something that you can sum up uh, in a few words?
1: Well, I think I, I'm always positioned myself uh, as a customer. So when I when I design the restaurant and the uh, the experience, people are paying for because uh, they, they they you know they, they they are paying for it and they want to have a full experience. And it's an experience I've dreamt. So an experience of uh, uh, delicious food with a strong Frenchness in it because this, they are also buying into um, who I am and. Uh, and, you know, I'm a French chef, so they want to have that as an experience. And, um, and, and the experience has to be memorable. So there is so many things that comes into the equation. The way we serve, the story we have to say, uh, the season we are in, the way I cook, um, until the moment they leave. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a whole package. And, and, I, and I, it's always on my mind. I'm always thinking over and over about it and hoping that um, every day is getting better and better for for the customer's experience.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned you're obviously a French chef. You've been classically trained and your restaurant has reflected that since you launched, I believe, in the year 2010. That's right. But but even looking back to the early days of uh, you as a chef, you've always had a bit of a focus on vegetables. So this isn't necessarily something that only happened within the last um, six years or so. Um, But there was a bit of a moment in 2016 when you personally started to change the way you ate and um, slowly your restaurant started to reflect that in the menu. Can you just tell us a little bit more about your passion for vegetables and plants and then how did that evolve uh, as your restaurant grew?
1: yeah I mean it's a, it's a, it's a long story and it's really um, you know throughout my life, as I said about my, my 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 grandmothers who were cooking for me because I came from south of France, you know um, vegetables were you know a massive part of the uh, of the local recipes. Uh, I remember my grandmother doing some aubergine stew. And when I was starving, I will have this aubergine stew and it will be so delicious that now every time I'm starving, I'm dreaming of having a, a, an aubergine stew. So, and then after, I I, I I, was lucky, very lucky to work with uh, with Alain Ducasse in, in Monte Carlo, where Alain Ducasse really was the, the, the first three Michelin star chef who introduced um, uh, an entire menu, an entire tasting menu, or gastronomic menu around vegetables. Obviously, he, he, the restaurant was based in Monaco, and there is the influence of Provence from the West. And there's an influence of Italy and, um, and the north of Italy Italian east, so it's perfect combinations to find inspiration and perfect ingredients all year long. And then after that, I I was again super lucky to work as a private chef for a family in San Francisco actually, and um, and this family in San Francisco had a, had a farm in uh, in Atterton, which is you know <laughs> right in the middle of the now the Silicon Valley. But in the in the early nineties, that was just you know somewhere rich people from San Francisco had uh, like summer houses, and they had this massive farm there uh, with all sorts of um, you know obviously seasonal vegetables and fruits. And um, I will go in the morning and talk to the to the gardener, and I will tell him what I was hoping to be cooking, and he will just pick vegetables for me, and then I will. Um, I will prepare those vegetables for this family and I did that for you know almost two years and that really helped me to um, to develop my own personality when it came to um, creating recipes or um, interpreting vegetables and, um, and then I came to London and obviously you know um, opened my first restaurant and there was there was a tasting menu around vegetables and vegetables have always been this, you know mainly the center of my inspiration. Then I wrote a book called Vegetronic in 2012, where you know, vegetables were really the center of the dish, but they were still I was still using um, animal product. And then I had, um, I had people outside my restaurant one day um, complaining that I was um, using, um, using foie gras, which now, thinking back, I feel so ashamed about. But, you know, I, that's life. And I'm discussing with them the impact of um, me having that on the animals, starting to um, uh, push me to um, to look more into um, animal consciousness and um, and and the impact I was having uh, through my jobs on the on other people. And I and I read a book called um, anti which is a a French book by. Um, um, journalist called Enric Caron And when I finished this book I I said to myself hey now I know what I know it's impossible for me to carry on being the person I was before I started this book So my first decision was to obviously become vegan immediately and um, and then I decided that I will transform my restaurant into this you know gastronomy French gastronomic temple into a, a French vegan gastronomic temple, <laughs> and um, and um, and slowly, slowly, we removed uh, all the animals, and all our creative um, um, all our creative stuff was around um, um, vegetable, plant based, and uh, and I'm so glad now there is obviously you know for the last now you know yeah and a half two years he has been he um, has been. We are fully plant-based, and, uh, and 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 I'm I'm so proud of that, and I'm I'm so glad, and I'm I'm so relieved. But and now I feel like you know I need to I need to I need to convince the world. You know, through my cuisine, and with the help of my cuisine, that we are not on this planet to eat other people, sharing this planet with us. We are far too smart and intelligent and sensitive and
0: all sorts of things <laughs> wow i mean i have so many questions there but let's just go back to 2016 because it almost sounds like your decision to think about the issue and read a book about it could have been career ending in some ways right because uh you yeah i mean the heart of um of classical french uh, cooking or gastronomy it it almost is imp- if you think about it from a traditional sense, it's almost impossible to imagine it without the use of animal products.
1: Absolutely, that was uh, that was a challenge. I was um, um, I was I was ready to take it. Uh, there was absolutely no way. I mean, what kind of what kind of human being I would have been after knowing what I knew in depth, supported by science, um, uh, that I could I could not only continue profiting but um, uh, I mean refusing to accept the facts you know this um, I don't know it was just it was just not possible but yes you're right it, it, it could have been it could have been a massive um, uh, yeah it could have been the end and a lot of people have told me my gosh you're crazy and that not only involved my uh, my customers obviously who were very upset or my old supporters but my employees um, who were thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I've got, you know, two kids. I've been working with you for 10, 15 years. And what are you doing? Are you trying to starve my family? Are you trying to destroy this business? So, but I, you know what? I, I, it, it was a crazy thing to do, but now I'm looking back, I think that was the rational thing to do. Um, and to be fair, economically, it has been, um, it has been, it's been unbelievable because, uh, of course, I wasn't the only one to realize that. At the time, I was realizing it. There was a all, you know, huge number of people who were transiting, wanted to change the way they ate because the information is now um, uh, widely available, and um, and especially in UK, which was the place where the I think it's quite influential for me. But the uh, the, the the Cambridge. Um, declarations on, on consciousness, um, which which is a, a simple paper that recognizes mm-hmm. once and for all that 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 the animal we eat um, wants don't want to be eaten. <laughs> of course, they don't want to die. Of course, they want to be loved. Of course, they want to love. They want to. They have hopes, just like all of us. And 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 yeah. So anyway, I wasn't the only one. And um, and that's why my my restaurant kept being filled up, and uh, and we could continue, and uh, and that also opened for me great opportunities to become a new kind of um, chef uh, in terms of creativity and looking at at, at at the creative skills that I had very differently, and working on my team and my suppliers and uh, and interpreting. The seasons around me and everything that influenced me was completely, you know, challenged, and uh, and uh, and that was really, really, really wonderful.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting fact that you this decision and this change that you experienced was was back in 2016. Where you know now looking back in the last say three to four years, there have been a lot of um, restaurants, food companies that have started to talk about using less animals uh, in their supply chain, mostly from a sustainability angle. Um, And it's interesting to note that your decision was was not necessarily driven by sustainability. It was merely the fact that you just didn't want to use animals anymore. And and you came to a realization that they were beings and you didn't want to use them as part of your food, which is quite different from what most motivations are for a lot of people these days.
1: I know, I know, I know. But you know what, this is... I mean of course it doesn't upset me because you know everybody can see where they're, they're at. Yeah. You know. but but we, 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 we tell our customers everywhere we can, you know, at every corner of our company, you know, the, the message is very simple is we are doing it for the animals. That's 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 all. You know, um, the, the animals are at the at the center of 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 our process. The love we have for them um, uh, is 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 why we are doing why we are doing that. We want to leave them alone to enjoy this planet just like we will do, and to let them alone and not to eat them because they don't want to be eaten. It's as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> and and all this, I mean, of course, it's good when people stop eating animals because they want to do it for the planet and uh, But my worry is there is always a little bit of room mm-hmm. for. For, for justifying uh eating a little bit and there is absolutely no way we should have one. You know, this is this is, we are not on this planet for that. We were not meant to, to kill, we're not meant to, to, to feed ourselves with animals and I've got no idea where we went wrong, but I'm working very hard to <laughs> rectify the, the the slight mistake that happened in in, yeah. in, 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 in us as a human
0: yeah especially as we've you know evolved and come now in the in the in the year 2022 we we have the opportunity to to have the benefit of science and knowledge and 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 access to different kinds of foods it's almost um it's a it's an it's not such a hard choice to make it just requires some reimagining well you always uh just one more question on this but i do want to talk about what you did with your food but Um, were you always an animal lover? I'm just curious because it, it it, uh, was that something that was always part of your life. And then this just sort of was an evolution.
1: No, 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 exactly. That's, that's the thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I have never ever worried about or cared about uh, animal in the past. And this is, I think I was hardwired and I really feel bad. I mean, it's not my, my, my road to redemption or, you know, I, 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 even, even. Uh, let me tell you something. Even when, even after, you know, reading the book and deciding to be vegan and changing my business, I walk in a supermarket and I see dead chicken and king uh, film. I, it doesn't make, I mean, it should make me sad, but it doesn't. And if I see uh, uh, someone next to me having a fillet of beef, I, i have to force myself to connect the dots to connect the 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 the, the stack with the animal who mm-hmm. did not want to uh, to die and that i think that's that's the hardest part um and i know that's that's the reason why people as much as they would like to be you know nice with animals and uh, we are so hardwired you know since we were born mm-hmm. about um about about this disconnection between what we've got in our plates, and the animals we've seen, you know, growing or eating the grass in the field. And it's the same for me. So, and I really feel bad about that. I'm hoping that uh, as I get older, uh, the dots are getting getting connected, and I, and, I, and, I, and I will feel. And that's also, and I understand why people, despite all of their knowledge, um, cannot do the... You know the, the, the total move towards a, a plant-based diet, and this is where, as a chef, I have such um, huge responsibilities um, to create a delicious food that makes you, you know, forget that you know you want. It's a bit like you know, I don't know. It's a bit like smokers, you know, in the past. You know, they enjoy, I can't live without cigarettes. And then one day they, they live without cigarettes because nobody smokes around them. And I think the the, the shift to it is going to be quite similar.
0: Yeah, you kind of need both, um, you know, some some things to change from a systemic standpoint, both in terms of food production and distribution. But I think the even more powerful one is the cultural um, sort of um, mindset or fabric that we all kind of are blinded by and trapped under, right? So, as you said, it kind of needs a bit of a rewiring of our uh, neural networks that have just evolved and and been passed on through generations.
1: Yeah, but I think the the fastest the, the shortcut the shortcut is uh, is deliciousness, and that's mm. what I always um, talk about food being delicious. That's why I always talk to other chefs and ask them to put their creative skills into the mix because the more the more we are to create impossible-to-resist delicious plant-based food, the more we will be able to convince people. I think the, the whole thing about making them feel guilty or telling them that the planet is burning or there will always be a little bit of a space to... Oh, okay, well, the other one is going to is gonna stop eating animals. I, I carry on, you know, because we are so many, you know, don't worry about me. And I think if it's delicious, if the food is delicious, you, you just forget about it. And that's why chefs have, have, are so much more powerful than, than someone who is going to lecture you about animal consciousness or someone who is going to do you an expose about the risk of this planet, you know, ending soon. But if I give you something which is seriously delicious and then you decide you cannot live without eating that that's that will be that will be mission accomplished
0: yeah yeah that that i mean i've realized that over now i've been vegan myself for 12 years now and uh at, at first it i felt like knowledge was the problem and that if only everyone knew we, we would all uh make the right choice um, yes
1: yes but that's not always the case
0: that's not always the case and at the end of the day it's almost forgetting what food is right food um food is pleasure right and we can't forget about that aspect of food you can maybe intellectually connect the dots and think uh i need to change the way i eat but at the end of the day uh when you sit down to eat and you've got you know limited time and maybe limited money in some cases you yeah. choose what you're used to and you uh, absolutely. choose what you and love there is,
1: there, there is one thing that um uh, really uh, I, I read recently um studies showing that there are still more uh, ex vegan on this planet than than vegan. Um and, that, and of course the the, the, the the reason for that is despite all the good intentions, despite all the you know the, 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 the thinking and the conclusion the intellectual conclusions of of one thoughts into okay I need to become a, a vegan there would be a point in their life when they say, oh, you know what, I cannot live without this roast chicken. I cannot live without this sushi. I cannot live without, oh my gosh, and how many times have I heard that to justify a, you know, go back into the the, the world of animal eating. And, and again, that's why that's why the, the, the position of a chef is so key because you don't have to. I can make something that tastes as good as... Uh, as a, as a I don't know California roll or as a, as a tuna roll, you know, or, or the roast chicken. Don't worry, and the, and the ingenuity of the human being is 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 now working so hard uh, to to you know replace what you what you think you cannot live without. Uh, that I am I'm very hopeful.
0: So, so, take us back to say 2016 when you when you first started to transition your menu. I know you didn't do it overnight. Yeah. Um, obviously, you had an established restaurant, you had regulars who loved the food that you were making up uh, until that point, and now here you are um, breaking the rules and and doing something that was slightly outside of the norm when it comes to um, you know French gastronomy, for example. So. How did that process go about? Did you, um, yeah, how did you make the change to the menu and, and walk us through those years? Because I know it continued up till the pandemic and then yeah. obviously things changed. Um, yeah.
1: So, what, what we were doing, what, what I was doing is to, uh, as I said, first is to remove um, all the creativity uh, in menu designing. Uh, so, from this moment, there will be no more new recipes involving animal products. So that forced us to, uh, when we wanted to bring a new uh, starters or a new main course, um, say in summer or in spring, it would be a uh, purely uh, plant-based. So that every time there was one dish that qualified to be present on the menu, that we remove one animal-based um, product. But of course, we had to make sure that the transition uh, made sense because we couldn't just uh, start serving. Green lettuce and tofu, you know, uh, as a starter, we had uh, we had the Frenchness uh, that was totally part of our, uh, our DNA. So yeah, we were thinking about about the, 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 the flavors. We were thinking about the texture. We were thinking about uh, obviously the retrofaction of uh, of 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 you know when you taste you know the richness of a French starter, for example. Usually, usually express you know um, the animal and uh, the, the perfect animal. So it, it, it took a lot it took a lot of um, uh, research and attempt to recreate that. But ultimately, every time we, uh, whether we were doing some sauce or we were doing some I mean, new sauce, a new combination of uh, of ingredients, the the, the 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 ultimate flavors was never too different. From when the animal was involved, why? Because I, I realized that the animal who we are eating uh, are the animal that eats plant. We never eat an animal that eats another animal. That's not in the French gastronomy anyway. That's that's very rare. And so actually, the animals tasted of you know of of the of the of its own food. So if you, and that's, and, and the only thing missing was the, 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 the fat, mm. the animal fat, the roasting of the animal fat. But the depth of flavor, we could duplicate it very easily. So it was a complicated process sometimes, especially in the pastry section, but it wasn't an impossible process. And I'm so glad to say that it's probably a natural process. That's why we could unlock um, and, and and create some dishes that people think it's um, it reflect frenchness it reflect gastronomy and they are happy to pay a lot of money for it so um, long process still in the making but it's um it's 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 a wonderful um it's it's it's, it's a wonderful time to be a chef i can tell you
0: And what's your approach to um, menu development? Are you uh, relying strictly on uh, whole food ingredients or uh, vegetables? Or do you also experiment with, um, as you know, there are several products now in the market that mimic meat, cheese, eggs, butter, uh, cream. So do you turn to those or are you developing everything in-house?
1: So we've got two avenues that we take. Um, There is uh, the the the, the pure, one Avenue is a pure, new, creative, French, vegan gastronomy. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's something completely crazy. As far as, if you were looking at it 10 years ago and you look at it now, you think, my gosh, what are you doing? It's a gastronomy that involves um, uh, aubergine in puddings and and white strawberries in main course. It's, uh, it's a gastronomy that absolutely no boundaries other than... The season that leads us. So we are in London, and we've got four seasons, and we've got ingredients that comes in spring, and different than in summer and in winter. And really, that's that's the start of the inspiration process. And then nothing that stops us. We think about um, texture. We think about what we can add to, um, to 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 add a new dimension in the in the in the product. But say we work with Salsify at the moment, and um, and we. We, we 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 transform salsify uh the, the we, we transform the texture of the salsify while retaining its its depth of flavor. And then we we, we, we merge that with something bitter that you would have never done that in French gastronomy. And then we add an element that comes and balance the sweetness of the dish at the end. And and that's really exciting. That's that's a modernity. That's uh, mm-hmm. but that's gastronomy. It's complicated, it takes a lot of time to make, it involves a lot of chefs. And on the other hand, we have we have the 3D printing piece of um, piece of meat. So you were talking about new kind of ingredients. So of course we 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 want to use them. We want to this is a modernity, this is also the way we don't want to sound uh, artisan. We want mm-hmm. to sound progressist. So uh, I, uh, those companies who make, you know, I'll give you an example of 3D printing meat, they make those 3D printing meat because they are like us. They want the world to stop eating animals. So we are going to, to use them and we are going to inflict them the kind, same kind of uh, Frenchness. We're going to inflict them the friend, same kind of gastronomy that we will, do, we will have done in the past to a rack of lamb, for example. So it's gonna be marinated with you know red wine from south of France and there are gonna be a lot of onions and bay leaves and thyme and garlic and we are going sous vide for a night and then after we are going slowly roast it and braise it and we're gonna reduce the sauce and, and we are gonna find that it actually tastes as good as something we would have done ten years ago, except obviously nobody's dead. And this is this is mission accomplished again. So it's really Two ways. There is a the future of you know gastronomy which gonna look very much like the past, but it's also a future which is gonna look totally wild and exciting and um, and and it's it's the opposite of, of the current French gastronomy which is anchored in, in old mm-hmm. recipe written 120 years ago by Auguste Escoffier and and, and chefs spend their life trying to photocopy this recipe and making sure that it tastes the same as when it was done 100 years ago. And you've got all sorts of people who come and eat in their restaurants and tell them, yeah, it's almost as good as the one I've eaten 20 years ago. And this is the death of French gastronomy as far as I'm concerned. So if anything, um, the plant-based future of French gastronomy is is it's the only way for it to survive and to mm-hmm. excel <laughs> and not to be not to be not not to be dying like you know very very old dusty thing you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know how did critics i'm very curious how did critics react to the the changes that you were making i mean you were obviously very creative even before you started to transition your menu into being plant-based, and um, and it wasn't like you were super traditional in the past. You were probably following the basic rules, but how did that get received? Because you were an established restaurant; it isn't. It wasn't like you came out of nowhere and just started a new restaurant or doing something different. No, you had to change people's perception of what you were.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, we were known for being, you know, one of those um, Michelin star. Gastronomic restaurant in a city like London, so you've got maybe twenty or thirty. Pretty much using all the same ingredients around the year. So we'll use, you know, game in winter and I don't know, venison, and then we will move to lamb in spring, and we'll use, you know, we'll do, we'll do rich sauce with um, sometimes lobster, sometimes <coughs> langoustine, sometimes the beef jus will be deep and reduced and. Uh, Yes, that was us, and um, and a lot of customers, you know, they have been celebrating their wedding anniversary. I don't know their their and and the guides, the guides, you know, one in particular called the Michelin guide, um, wasn't very impressed when we started to to develop a future which was going to be very different to the past we had been sticking with, but that's, I was worried about that. But I, I, looking back now, I, I don't know why I worry about that because, because the, the the world was changing and, uh, you know, all customers, some of them transitioned with us, um, some of them got really upset and you know, were really nasty because how could I, how could I change the restaurant they love so much? And I had thousands of customers who were faithful and will come, you know, every other week for, for some pieces of animals cooked the French way in my restaurant, and then we removed that. And they were really upset and they were really nasty. But on the other hand, I had so many new customers who were kind, supportive, understanding, sharing the same vision of the future that I had and uh, and those people really supported me and uh and and and, and, and now we're not looking back we are looking looking to the future
0: <laughs> yeah i i hate to take you back to a, a dark time but you know i feel like i cannot talk to a chef or anyone who runs a restaurant without bringing up the year 2020 um and the start of the pandemic how did it impact you what 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 happened if you can walk us through that because uh and 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 there's a silver lining to the story because you reopened in 2021, and that's when you reopened as an entirely plant-based restaurant. But how was 2020? I can't imagine that was a that was an that was a good year for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was very stressful because obviously now we look back and we can see what happened and we can uh, pinpoint the exact date where things happened. Yeah. Obviously, we were totally blind of the future and we didn't know whether this, you know, like everybody else, I guess. Um, but where well, the um, where well, 2020, we had the, um, first lockdown here in UK. I was, I was, I was hopeful that, you know, it wasn't going to last. And, uh, and then of course it lingered and, um, and maybe the first couple of months I didn't want to do anything. You know, we, with my staff, we just stay at home and we're hoping for a better day. And then I said, okay, well maybe, uh, you know, we should, we should start doing, um, um, Home 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 kit, and as we were to, to be to be honest, as we were not fully plant based by then, I said, okay, maybe we are going to do some um, uh, kit, uh, home kit, obviously plant based, and maybe we've got one which is uh, which which still has uh, animal product, and that that, and the minute we we we, we promoted them, I could see that. 95% of our box were purchased by people who wanted to eat plant-based. Obviously, the uh, the, 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 the COVID pandemic had mm-hmm. an impact on people's perception of how they should be eating. And slight, slight. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I said, okay, well, we are just going to do some um, um, uh, plant-based 100% um, uh, big a, a box home kit. And then every week we were we started to do the the, the classic Gochiso box, and then and then we decided to to because it was too boring to repeat the same box over and over. We started to explore the world, and that had, was an amazing experience for all of us. I mean, all of us people who are involved in the create creation of uh, plant based cuisine because it took us one week to Rio, Janeiro, and we we were we were uh, studying the the plant based delicacies of Brazil the following week we went to uh, Vietnam and uh, we did the Oshimin Minh box the week after we went to Kinshasa and we did uh, the, 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 the the African box and then we went to South Africa and then we went to um, Moscow and we, we went to so suddenly we, we found inspiration all around the world um, and that was fascinating and and and, and the boxes um, were selling so well that every week, we sold out, we sold out, we sold out. And we realized that um, people were actually waiting for those books to arrive every Friday afternoon because when they were stuck at home and they had these books coming and taking them somewhere exotic or somewhere yeah. fascinating, somewhere they, they were hoping to go, somewhere they were hopeful to maybe one day going, at least we were delivering some uh, some flavor of the, of the destination um, while they could stay in their living room and be safe from COVID. So... It was it was fascinating period, um, and and even now we have stopped the box recently, only recently, and we get so much German from boxes, but we can't do everything, I'm afraid. So if there is another lockdown, we will start again the boxes, but at the moment we we concentrate on the restaurant. <laughs>
0: No, but that's also, a you know, a, a testament to your ability to create uh, in a moment that you had to adapt, right? And and it's, I guess everyone was forced to think uh, outside the box and do something yes. different. But it's almost like, yeah, you can, now you stumbled in doing something that turned out to be so joyful and people now want it <laughs> and don't want it to go away.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and, I, and sometimes I look back and say, oh my gosh, is there a business there? I mean, is there, <laughs> is that do I need to maybe, um, you know, rent another kitchen and, uh and starting the box again, because clearly, and I, of course, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I only serve people who come to my restaurants, but we realized that we were selling boxes, you know, hundreds of boxes in Scotland, uh, boxes yes. in Liverpool and Manchester and Midlands and, and, and Northern Ireland. And, uh, and, know, it's not everyone who, um, had the opportunity to have, um, you know, a plant-based offering, um, around the corner who, um, who could provide something, you know, of, of this level at the price level we're saying? And uh, so, you know, maybe one day we'll start again and we'll, we'll go back on our journey of uh, bringing the, the, <laughs> the flavor of the vegan world uh, around Great Britain.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean that's also an, another way to get more people to try the food and experience something that, that they probably previously would have never thought could be that delicious. So it all serves the, the cause, I suppose, at the end of the day uh so you reopened in 2021 and and that's when you had an entirely plant-based menu how how is how have things been since then and um um you know how would you sort of describe the food that someone would get in your restaurant if you were to go there today uh and i'm hoping to visit there very soon so (laughs) think of me as being the end customer who wants to know the answer here
1: yeah yeah. so you need to come and try it but i'm going to tell you a little bit about it obviously the the we are offering one, um, one, one eight-course menu, uh, eight, ten course, depending <laughs> on the but the eight to ten course, that reflects the season, reflects um, our, our, our degree of uh, technicality in terms of what we are trying to achieve. And obviously, the mood we are in and whatever influences us comes into the, uh, into the mix and... Um, and it's usually something that goes crescendo. So, you know, um, it's, it's very, um, very green to start with, uh, even though, you know, in, in, in autumn, you know, we don't have a lot of green things, but we've got a lot of, um, it's, it starts with some, some green and then it, it, gets, it gets darker uh, 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 as we go along the, along the menu. And in between, there is a lot of, uh, of um, surprising flavors interesting uh, texture because that's uh, interesting um, um, uh, temperature as well um, and and I work with my sommelier and I work with my waiters to try to create an experience that not only I mean obviously it's, it's around the food because you come and get fed but the message that my waiters have is 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 aligned with the kind of things we do, so they might question you about you know what what your what your position about animal consciousness, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we might ask you do you know do you know why we are doing that, and um, you know how do you see the future of this planet? I don't know. This is this is quite um, interesting because we we do have a lot of uh, of vegan curious who mm-hmm. come to the restaurant. Um, a lot of people who want to challenge us, a lot of people who want us to agree with them that, yes, we should not eat animals, yet we should eat a little bit for X, Y, or that reason. Mm-hmm. And somehow they seem to want to come here to convince us. <laughs> and 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 you can never win an argument with us because... It's a question of life and death. And and that's the end of it. That's the that's just the end of it. The, there is no argument. But anyway, it's quite interesting for, for, my, uh, for, 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 for my employees um, to be able to have this kind of conversation and and, 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 and I always say, you know, we come and we, we bring the cross <laughs> of of what we are doing and we plant it in the middle of the plate, of the table. Mm. Every table's every night, to every customers, And we do it for the animals. And we yeah. are so proud. And we are so proud. Um, and and I can tell you, when people spend, what they spend with us, I can tell you, it's £95 per person just for the meal. And then they, 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 everybody drinks a little bit to enjoy. So the average spend is maybe £150, £200 per head. And when they leave the restaurant, they feel like they have really had had Value for money mm. in in a in a very gastronomic experience when people who were talking to them were serious, they had a message, but they were professional and they, they loved doing what they were doing and uh, and it was delicious, it was surprising, and it reflected you know London 2022 and it's going to be completely different in two years time, but that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah, and this is what we are selling, and this is uh, this is this is the experience that you will have. Uh, you're gonna have when you come to a restaurant, hopefully.
0: What you're doing is so different from anything I've seen because, um, well, of course, there's. Uh, I mean, out here in the U.S., there's there's ton, tons of all plant-based restaurants now, but no one's bold enough to bring up that issue and and confront the guests with it because uh, the the conventional thinking, and at least maybe research points to it, is that. Be, people people want to just experience good food they don't want to be preached to and they don't want to be uh to, they don't want to be asked questions or their you know their their values to be, to, to be challenged and and the and that conventional wisdom you look at it over here every place that sells plant-based food it's it's all about the food and it's almost like even sustainability yeah. maybe now in recent years has been started to be brought up because I think it's mostly used as a selling point. It's almost like a marketing tactic. And not to say it's not genuine in some cases, but in many cases it's it's used because they yeah. know people are more welcoming to talk about the planet than to talk about uh, a life being taken uh, for your yeah. food. But I think I find that commendable. I think it's brave. I think it's it's kind of risky and maybe it's different in not London. Even, no, but I think,
1: um, I think the... I come into I come into this world as how um, I would say already established, mm-hmm. matured, um, and 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 maybe maybe I've been spending twenty years in this country and the, the eccentricity of, of the the, the British, uh, slightly, um, uh, but I've got nothing to lose, yeah. nothing to lose. I I I will I will. It, at my last breath the last day of my life if i look back and i haven't been true to 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 those believe and think oh maybe on that day i did not remind the person that what he was eating is a dead animals i will i will i will feel guilty i will feel guilty and i don't want that i want to i want to yeah, I want to bring this very clear message. It's this is so basic. This is why it's so sometimes I have to excuse myself to my guests, and I say, yeah, it's gonna sound super childish, but we don't want to kill someone who did not want to die. And then I ask them, would you like to be eaten? And then, of course they say no. Well I said, Well, if an animal could speak, it will tell you exactly the same. Of course it doesn't want to be eaten. I mean it's so it's so it's so stupid and simple and uh, and sometimes I can't believe people are still trying to argue, oh yeah, but you know, the animals is he was happy during his life. And I says what is all what is, what is this bullshit? What is, what is that? I mean, are you having a, I mean we are we are we are intelligent humans, we are better than that. If I tell you this person don't want to die, he doesn't want to die. End of the story. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah,
0: and then I, I think it also comes down to because you have a lot of confidence in your own um, talents and abilities, and you've, as you said, you've had a successful um, career leading up to this point. And if you don't, you know, stand up for what you believe now, then when, <laughs> right? So it's almost. Well, and
1: I was I was ready to to, to lose everything. Uh, I'd spent twenty five years of my professional career to build. I was ready to uh, to to to. I was ready to lose everything, but I knew it was not going to happen. This is the thing, because if it if it happens to me, this kind of uh, you know uh, being enlightened, it will happen to thousands of people. You yeah. know, I don't think that I'm um, one this special individual that sees the light and uh, nobody else seen it.
0: And what's the response been from customers? I mean, I'm sure you've had several stories of people who, like, to what extent? do you feel like you're helping change people's perceptions? How do you feel like, I know it's very tough to measure impact um, because you're one restaurant and, and yes you serve uh, thousands of customers but how do you feel people's perceptions are starting to change the very fact that you've been successful doing this now for a while is probably a good sign um, but what else have you heard and seen that, that gives you hope?
1: Well, what I really hope is that more chefs um, will not be scared and, and 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 will do the same thing um, as I have done and that that's really where the difference is gonna be it's when London is full of restaurants like what you saw and on any any other night you can choose between 15 restaurants like mine at the moment there aren't any other so that's um, and I you know, I I don't know I I'm hopeful I can see I can see I can see the world is changing but I can see how fragile it is also and that's why I'm talking about the ex-vegan yeah who outnumbered the current vegan I know how and there is uh, there is you know it's 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 again the clock you know we we are we are we are fighting against that against people You know, feeling really like not be bothered anymore, or people who find um, find find weird to be not wanting to eat dead animals. This is the thing for me. People who eat animals are weird, (laughs) not the other way around. But until recently, a lot of people thought someone who doesn't eat animals is a weird one. But for me, it's not the person who is, um, and and I. and I think people are starting to. I mean my sister, I think she doesn't talk to me and she's lives in France and uh, two years ago she will not make me make me feel like I was the weird one, you know, not to but now when I talk to her, she's trying very hard not to think, not to make me think that she's the weird one. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> so I think things things are shifting. And now yeah. people People meet me and very often they, they, the first thing they say, they say, oh, you, we, we we don't eat a lot of meat. Or, you know, yeah. they're trying to... Don't don't start thinking that we don't know what it is all about. Um, so I think for that, I think I, I'm very hopeful that people yeah. are starting to, you know, they can see that. They are, they're feeling slightly odd, you know. They, they start thinking, come on, I'm modern, intelligent, well-educated. I live in... Uh, in the Western society, where I get you know proper informations every day, and maybe carry on eating animals, it's a bit weird. And yeah. uh, so, and the more people like me tell them that, yeah, yeah, oh my gosh, it's so weird. What you know, you know, <laughs> you know, you carry on. The more I think, uh, and that's what we do. We we are just we are not uh, hippies uh, with uh, long hair and sandals <laughs> and grain eating. No, 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 no. Not at all. Yeah. So I think, I think that's changing and that's, 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 I'm pushing very hard for that.
0: Oh, and it's definitely becoming more normalized. I mean, I see it like the, the the even press coverage now versus how it used to be six, seven years ago. I, yeah, there were definitely many years there that I definitely felt like a big outsider, not to say that it's the norm now, but you can definitely feel um, that the, the knowledge about the scale and the the brutality of animal agriculture is becoming more well known um and uh, is you and usually it's first they think about it through a sustainability lens but once you dive deeper you can't help but see the reality of it um yep. it has nothing to do with sustainability but more to do with no. it's just this, this not the right thing to do um, Absolutely. Uh, do you get you know this may sound like a, a random side question but i'm sure you get being someone with your background um do people come to your restaurant or others when you first started to make the shift in your menu turn to you and say, but Alexis, what about cream and butter? Like how are you going to, to make a menu and, and well, how are you going to create food without that? Um, and I'm sure you figured it, out, figured it out. Do you make that all again on your own or do you rely on certain products? How's, what's your approach to that in, in your cooking in general? Mm.
1: Well, on 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 the, on the on the use of uh, of cream and 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 butter and uh, and things like look like milk, I mean, to be fair, it's 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 so easy now to find um, uh, plant based alternatives. Who, I mean, I recently did a blind test of uh, I mean of of different kind of plant based uh, butter, and I mean they were all so good. I I for for, for a moment, I thought I was being fed um, <laughs> animal-based butter. So we 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 use them. Um, it's it's part of our uh, integral part of the, the way we have totally um, uh, brought them into uh, into into our recipes, proudly, very proudly, um, and we support. And I'm always happy to support, uh, like um, uh, you know, someone who has cracked. Uh, the the plant-based mascarpone for example you mm-hmm. know I, for me it's like a, whew, it's a, it's, a, it's a sense of relief you know I said my gosh we' are gonna be able to have amazing tiramisu yeah. without, uh, you know, without you know we you know this is this is for me it's delightful yeah being able to um, yeah and to to, to see and and, and 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 the future you know. Um, don't don't stop me on, the, on, on stem cells um, <laughs> things because I am so hopeful about that. I, I have seen it. I have, I have tasted it recently. I was very lucky to try uh, a, a terrine, terrine de foie gras mm. made by this French company called Gourmet out of um, stem cell. Um, taken, t- taken from from the, the the cell taken from the, the egg, yeah. um, the duck egg. So, you know, the abuse was really minimal, and they managed to create this terrine which tastes just like the one I had, you know, twenty years ago, and tasted so delicious. And so I'm, I'm you know, maybe maybe during my lifetime. I'll be able to to, to get my, my, my liver fat again with some <laughs> delicious foie gras, you know, stem cells foie gras. I mean, I'm, I'm super hopeful because, yeah. as I said, I talk about the ingenuity of the human being. Um, some think they are doing it for the planet, but every time they save an animal life
0: mm-hmm. with,
1: with that kind of product, it's mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, and you're sitting at the cutting edge of it because you're using the best of your decades of experience um, yep. on the culinary side, and, and merging it and keeping an open mind, not staying traditional, keeping an open mind about new technologies. Oh, um, yes. And those companies need chefs like you Absolutely. to be able to push the envelope on what's possible with their food, to almost prove that you know, like this is the future, and where the future is almost is already here. It's only a yes. matter of time.
1: Absolutely. And I'm so, I have put my my energy recently. I, um, you know, I was asked to to go and cook for 25 partners in one of the biggest investment banks in Switzerland who needed to be convinced that, you know, the plant-based future is real. And they asked me, they said, can you go and cook for them? Because those 25 partners... They still think that in twenty years time people will be eating, you know, fiddlero beef and and, yeah. and, and lobster terminal or whatever. And I want them to realize that they need to put money, they need to they need to invest in startups, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the food tech industry. And for that they need to eat your food. So I went there and I had lunch speech with them and I cooked my food and and I can assure you they did not miss animal at all. And there are those people who eat in Michelin star restaurants and they go yeah. and have like, a, you know, fillet of sea bass with a cream sauce and, uh, and uh, I don't know, langoustines in, uh, in a American sauce or whatever. Anyway, I talked to them and I said, look, this is the future. This is where you need to, you need to put all of their resources, not only to save the planet, but also to save, you know, to, for the future of the human beings because this is what they are going to be asking. Don't worry, we are here. We are cooking the future. You need to finance it, and I and I do that. You know, I talk to people, I, I meet a lot of people, and uh, and and I want to convince them, and I want them to eat my cuisine to convince them as well.
0: Yeah, and this this perfectly um, aligns with my next and final question, which is, uh, what do you hope the world will be eating in the year 2050? Ah, yes, that's very interesting.
1: Well, I'm hoping that. They will eat delicious food that's good for them. I think I I know what they are going to eat. They are going to eat 3D printed Wagyu steak made out of the best, the most valuable Kobe beef on the planet. Someone has taken one stem, has created this mass, and this mass has been printed in in, in exciting, delicious shape. That we are cooking, and actually, this meat is so good for you; tastes so good that you'll be, you'll make sure that no animal is being killed because the minute we kill, we, we can't eat it anymore. So we have reversed the uh, the, whole, uh, the 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 whole world of killing to enjoy. No, no, you need to keep them alive to enjoy them. And I think that's that's what people will be will be eating. The future will not be much different, I think. Of, uh, of 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 what we are eating, there will be maybe a few changes, but I think the food is going to be as delicious, because as a race, as human being, we can do so much better than what we are doing, and I know that. I'm very very hopeful that we will be creating, you know, an array of delicious food that 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 tastes like the planet without impacting anybody that live on it, and obviously not impacting the planet itself.
0: Well, Alexis, uh, I thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. I am really fascinated uh, by everything you just outlined today. I uh, can't wait to try the food myself. Uh, and I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time today to chat with me. This has been an absolute pleasure.
1: No, that was a pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And I, I, I look forward to um, cooking for you when, uh, when you're in London.
0: You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, all you have to do is subscribe to this show and rate and review it. To learn more about this podcast or my work, go to eftp.co. That's eftp.co. Thank you for listening.